Last week we started a series in the book of First Thessalonians. I love the little book of First Thessalonians. It's probably, possibly anyway, the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to any of the churches. It's possible that Galatians was written first, but most people believe that First uh, Thessalonians was his first letter. The church at Thessalonica was uh, one of Paul's beloved churches, but he didn't have a lot of time there. When he left Philippi, you remember in the Philippian, uh, the, the city of Philippi, he was arrested and he and Silas were beaten and thrown into prison and so forth. And then uh, once they were released from there, the Bible says that they traveled down to Thessalonica. Now, Thessalonica was about 100 miles from Philippi, by the way, so they traveled a good ways. And then when they got to Thessalonica, the Bible says that Paul preached three Sabbaths days, three Sabbaths in the Jewish synagogue, and then uh, maybe another week or two in other places. We don't know for sure. But anyway, that little church was started, and uh, Paul was only there for maybe three to five or six weeks, and then he had to leave there. It's just uh, Paul seemed like he got run out of town almost every place that he went, and uh, so he, uh, uh, he left. He went to Athens and later to Corinth. And then once he got to Corinth, he got word from uh, uh, Silas and Timothy what was going on in Thessalonica. And most of it was good. Most of it was a good report. They said, uh, when they came, they said, you know the little church that you started there in Thessalonica? They're having a rough time, so they're undergoing a lot of persecution. There are a lot of people who are who are, are opposed to them. A lot of the Jews are persecuting them. A lot of the Gentiles are persecuting them. But they're staying faithful. And so Paul, uh, Paul wrote him a letter because there were some questions they had, some things they didn't understand, especially about the second coming of Jesus. And so he writes to, uh, to give them some instruction and, and, uh, and affection from the apostle that had started the church. I've actually never started a church. I've often thought it would be kind of neat to go to a place where there wasn't a church and to lead some people to Christ and start a little church. And I can only imagine how deeply your heart would be affected for those people. And my heart's affected for you, I tell you. I just, uh, if I had to leave for some reason, go somewhere else and uh, everything, you would always be in my heart. And if I were to get word that there were some problems here at Bear Creek, I probably would write you a letter. It wouldn't be inspired like Paul's letter, but it would come from my heart. And I would write to at least try to address some of the issues. I've done that with other churches that I've pastored in the past. So Paul writes this letter. And in the first chapter we looked at last week, he just uh, he thanks God for them. He says, God, I, I'm so thankful that God chose you in Christ I'm thankful for your faith, your hope, your love, and I'm thankful that you turned uh, away from idols and you turned to serve the living God. You put your faith in Jesus, and, uh, and you are waiting for Jesus to come back. And so Paul talks to them like an evangelist in chapter 1. But then as he begins chapter 2, and of course there wasn't a chapter 2. He, wasn't, he didn't put, okay, here's chapter 2. But as he moves into this next thought, uh, he begins to talk more like a pastor. I love this passage in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. And he says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. He said, you know, 
You in your own heart, you know that our coming to you wasn't wasted time. God did some great things while we were there. He may have been to a few places where nothing happened, but I can't think of one. But but he says, you know that when we came to you, uh, it wasn't in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, and of course, when they got to Thessalonica, they still had the scars on their back, maybe open wounds, and they had absolutely been horribly treated while they were at Philippi. But he said, you know, uh, when we came to you, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. He says, when we got to you, uh, even though we had been terribly treated in the last place we were, we didn't come in ashamed. We didn't come in fearful. We didn't come in hesitant. We came in boldly preaching the gospel because we knew that that was what you need. But even there, he said, we had much conflict. That word for conflict in the Greek is a word that refers to an athletic struggle. It was used sometimes in uh, wrestling uh, terms when a person was facing an opponent that was maybe stronger than him and the uh, wrestling was... Uh, was pretty intense. So he says, when we got to you, it was like a wrestling match. Uh, And then he says, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is our witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So Paul says, when we came to you, We came as people who had been entrusted with the gospel. And did you know that you and I have been entrusted with the gospel? When God saved you, he put in your heart the truth of the gospel. That's where you were saved, by believing the truth. But not only did you believe it and receive it, you were actually entrusted with it. Paul is saying here, we were faithful stewards when we came to you. God had entrusted us with the gospel, and we came, and we shared it with you, and we are now entrusting you with it. Think about that for a minute, that God has saved you. Isn't that wonderful? Everybody here is saved, right? Yeah. People don't come out in a fearful pandemic to a church on Sunday morning uh, with uh, 15 or 20 other people unless you know Jesus. So you've been saved. Okay, that's good. But that gives you a certain responsibility. You have a responsibility to share the same truth with others that somebody shared with you. And so you are a steward, just like Paul was a steward here. And he talks about how he ministered when he came to them. He said, I ministered boldly. And, uh, 
Uh, and then he ministered truth. He said, when I came to you, I didn't come with any kind of deception. I didn't come with any kind of uh, 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 error or impurity. I came to you with the truth, and I spoke the truth. And then he tells why he ministered. Because he said, I have received much, therefore I'm responsible. And then he tells about the way he ministered. He said, I didn't come trying to please people. It's a, it's a temptation, isn't it? To want to please people. I face that temptation. I, I, nobody likes to be disliked. I like to be liked. I like for people to say, oh, hey, Brother Nick, we like you. And uh, nobody likes to have enemies. But over the years, I have had some enemies, and it's because, well, most of the time, there may be some times that I had an enemy because I'd done something stupid, but most of the time, I have had enemies because I spoke the truth. And there's something about the truth that people resent and resist and fight against. And they not only fight against the truth, they fight against the truth speaker. And the reason Paul had so much opposition in his ministry was not because he was an abrasive, hateful person. In fact, he was not that way. We're going to see that in a minute. It was not because he came in like a bulldog and started chewing people's legs off. No. It was because he spoke the truth. He said to the Galatians, he said, that have, have I become your enemy just because I told you the truth? And Paul spoke the truth. And so when we minister to people, we should minister truth. He said, I came <clears throat> not as men pleasing, not with flattery, not with greed. He said, I didn't come trying to get your money. When I was growing up, almost every Sunday we'd get home from church. My dad, bless his heart, would say something about uh, all they want down there is money. All they want at that church is money. They want your money. And I never heard that. Of course, I wasn't ever listening anyway. But, but I didn't ever hear them begging for money or appealing for money. But my dad would say, uh, all they ever want is money. So when I became a Christian... And when God called me to preach, I said, I'm not ever going to preach about money. I'm not ever going to ask people to give money. And so for the first few years, I didn't. And then a very wise pastor came to me one time and said, uh, Nick, I notice you don't ever preach about money. That I've heard you say you don't ever preach about money. I said, that's true. He said, well, let me just tell you something. He said, first of all, you're not preaching the whole truth of the Bible because Jesus had more to say about money than almost any other subject. So he said, you're not teaching people how to be faithful stewards with their money. And not only that, you are robbing people of a blessing because when people give with the right heart attitude, God blesses that in their life. And so he said, you're just not preaching the whole truth. 
And I took it as a, a good rebuke. And after that, I started preaching from time to time on the importance of giving to the Lord. But I would say that I would never, never, ever approve any ministry that appeals for money in order for the minister to be made rich. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would never appeal for money so that I would gain financially as a result of your giving. I want people to give, but I want them to give because they believe in the ministry. I want them to give because of the joy of Jesus in their heart and because they've received, freely they have received, so they freely give. And I want them to give because God puts it on their heart to give. Even generous giving, extra giving, like for our missions offerings and things like that. So Paul said, I didn't come in, uh, with a message of flattery. I didn't come with a message of greed. He said, uh, uh, we did not seek glory from people. We didn't come so that people would magnify us and talk about what great people we were. No. He said, uh, we didn't come seeking it from you or from others, though we could have made demands. So he says, we came as faithful stewards of the gospel of the grace of God. That's the way we should minister. Every Christian has a pastoral responsibility, a shepherding responsibility. In your home, Brother Terry and Ruth, you've uh, shepherded a pretty large flock in your home, and you're still shepherding them, and you don't ever stop shepherding. Husbands, shepherd your wife, and uh, parents, shepherd your children. You also shepherd neighbors and friends. And how do we do it? We do it as faithful stewards. That's what Paul says in these first six verses. But not only did we shepherd as faithful stewards, but he says in verse 7, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So, how do we shepherd? How, how should I, as a pastor, shepherd you? Well, one, I should be faithful as a steward of the gospel of God. But also, I should be gentle like a, like a mother. It's a little harder for me to get the picture of me being a mother. Somebody said, I don't understand. why. How can a daughter, how can a woman be a son of God? And I said, well, I guess it's the same way that a man can be the bride of Christ. <laughs> so uh, uh, the fact is, when the Bible uses these terms, sons, uh, sons of God, it means sons and daughters, okay? So, uh, so we're to be gentle like a mother. How, how is a mother? Well, I 
next week's Mother's Day. I can talk a little bit next week about this probably, but uh, my mother was very gentle. She was gentle with us. She, that doesn't mean she never disciplined us, although I do remember one time that she was going to have to discipline me for something, and she took me in the bathroom, and she took her belt, and uh, my brother was standing outside, and my mother spanked her own leg with that belt so that uh, she said, well, somebody had to get a spanking but I'll take your spanking for you. And then when we went outside, my brother was terrified. He thought she had been, he heard the licks being administered, and he thought that she had been whipping me, but she had whipped her own self. Now, there were times that she didn't do that. There were a few times that she went ahead and laid it on me. But, uh, but I, I remembered that time because later I thought, in a sense, that's what the gospel is, what Jesus said. You deserved a whipping, but I'm going to take it for you. So my mother was gentle, and, and not, not only are mothers gentle, they, they're nurturing. They, uh, they provide life physically, but then they nurture that life by the milk that they provide. And I was reading something this last week. It said, you know, nursing mothers have to be careful what they eat. Because they can eat something that would actually cause their milk to be dangerous to their children. Is that right? Yeah, all the, the ladies are nodding their head. All the men are looking like I'm looking. I don't know. But uh, the point this person was making was that uh, if we're going to nurture other people, we have to make sure that we're being nurtured by the truth of God's word. If I'm feeding myself on filth and junk, and then I try to minister to you, I could minister something that could make you sick. Does that make sense? That made made sense to me. And I thought how important it is for us who are ministering to others to make sure that we guard our intake so that we are ministering life and then of course there was patience and then he says we were affectionate we had deep affection for you and I I just uh, have to say I love to say it I love you I love this church and my wife and I speak so often we say we just love the folks there at Bear Creek and and I, I can't imagine trying to minister to people that you have no heart for, that you have no affection for. And, uh, and Paul certainly said, the way we ministered to you, we were faithful stewards preaching the truth, and we were like gentle mothers, affectionate, gentle, loving mothers, loving you and feeding you, nurturing you. And then finally he says, and we were like, Good fathers as well. Verse uh, 9. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God, your witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous 
and blameless was our conduct toward you, believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So Paul says, we came to you as faithful stewards preaching the truth. We came to you like a gentle mother affectionately loving you and feeding you and taking care of you. And we came to you like a, a, a loving father who loves his children. He said, you remember how hard we worked? We weren't lazy. We didn't slough off. We didn't just lay around. We were working, he says, day and night. We were working hard when we were among you. And then also, he said, you notice not only our work, but our walk. You remember, he said, how we lived lives that were clean and pure and blameless. said, nobody there could point at us and say, well, you cheated this person or you did this or you did that. Now, it didn't mean he didn't have enemies, but nobody could point at him and criticize him for some specific wrongdoing. And then he said, uh, not only our work and our walk, but also our words. He said, we, like a father, we exhorted each one of you, and we encouraged you, and we charged you. We need that, don't we, as children? And uh, Matt and Joshua, I imagine there are lots of times that uh, your father has exhorted you. Exhortation means instructing you, telling you what you need to do, what he wants you to do. I can remember uh, my father exhorting me lots of times. You need to do this, and I exhorted my children. But then uh, sometimes we don't need exhortation as much as we need encouragement. Whenever we are burdened or whenever we fail, we need encouragement. And Paul said, I exhorted you, I encouraged you, and I charged you. It doesn't mean that I put it on your bill or something like that, but it means I, I told you, here's your calling, here's your responsibility, here's what I'm charging you to do. And that's important for us. As a pastor, it's part of my responsibility. I'm to, I'm to work hard. I'm to walk straight and clean and pure before you. And I am to speak words of exhortation, encouragement, and admonition, charging you. And that's what you're to do. Every, I said earlier, all of us pastor somebody. And those that we shepherd, we have these responsibilities. Live your life the way you want the people that you're shepherding to live their life. This past Sunday night, I had a privilege to be interviewed by my daughter and son-in-law down in Ovilla. And some of you, did any of you see it on the, it was, I think it was on a Facebook Live under Vertical Church. And they were asking me, we were talking about parenting. They're doing a parenting class on Sunday evenings. And uh, they asked me what I felt like was the most important thing in parenting. And boy, that's a big question, isn't it? 
And of course, I start out by saying, well, I think it's important to have a clear vision of what you want your kids to be by the time they graduate from high school. That's, uh, remember just before Kim was born, I remember going out in our backyard, getting on my knees and praying and said, uh, God, I'm about to become a daddy. And uh, I just want to say, I don't know how to be a daddy. I don't know what to do, but I want to be a good daddy. And I prayed that night and said, God, if I, if I never pastor a big church, if I never have any kind of office in our denomination, if I never have any recognition by men, that's okay. But please don't let me fail as a father. And so I said, I think that's maybe the important thing is to have a clear vision where you, what you want your kids to be. Because that night, I went in after I'd prayed and I sat down. I took Matthew chapter 5 and, Ephes- and, and Galatians chapter 5 and I put together a, a picture of character and godliness. And I said, this is what I want my kids to be when they graduate from high school. So I said, I think that's, that's important to have a clear vision. But I said, maybe even more important than that is that what you want in your children, you must pray for God to develop in you. How inconsistent it would be for a father to tell his son to be honest when the father wasn't honest. To tell the father, the children to be kind when the father wasn't kind. To tell the children to be forgiving when the father wasn't forgiving. So let your example speak as clearly as your instruction. Because if I say what you are to do and I'm not doing it, then if I do that consistently, I'm just being a hypocrite. And if I do it occasionally, I'm to be repentant of it. And if you, because we will fail, won't we? There's no way to be perfect. Wish we could. But if I want my children to confess when they're wrong, then I must confess when I'm wrong. I must say, kids, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And, uh, so, if you're going to be a shepherd, and all of us are shepherds in some degree or another, then we're to do it as faithful stewards of the truth. We're to do it as gentle mothers, nurturing our children. And we're to do it as loving, leading fathers who are working and speaking and demonstrating by our life the truth that we want our kids to believe and follow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that we have your truth and this example of the Apostle Paul. And I pray that you'll help us in our roles of shepherds, in our role of mentors, in our role of parents. Help us to be faithful stewards of the truth, to be gentle, 
like a nursing mother and to be loving and faithful as a good father. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.